you stand to your feet as we give thanks to the Lord and praise Him for all He has done in our lives. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him for He is thy health and salvation. All Thank you so much for being with us today. You know, this time of year, uh, as believers, our hearts should be overflowing with gratitude uh, towards what God has done for us. Amen? Boy, to start thinking about all the blessings that he gives us each and every day. You know, I hope this week, and not just this week, 
uh, that you will be very thankful to the Lord that you will continually go to him on a regular basis and worship him uh, for the things that he does for us uh, each and every day. Thank you for being here today in worship. We're glad that you've chosen to be here and we're trusting that God's going to do some great things today. We've got a lot of things in the service plan and I hope that you'll be a part of it and this will be a time of of just worshiping the Lord today. That's what our prayer is and hope that uh, you'll participate with us on that. We do want to welcome you and if there's a, um, a visitor that's with us today, we encourage you to take one of the care cards located in the pew rack in front of you and fill in your information. Uh, we'd like to get some things in your hands. If there's information you'd like from us, please be sure to uh, check that box. And uh, as you leave today, there are boxes on the round tables in the uh, foyer area for you to leave those and we'll make sure we get that information to you. On the back of the care card for everyone uh, is a place to put any prayer requests you have. And so take a moment to do that. We want to know what's going on in your life. And you can also place those in the boxes, and we will be sure uh, to lift up those prayers for you. And so take a moment to do that. Some other things, there's a proposed uh, 2023 budget now available in the lobby. We ask you to take those and look those over. We do have a discussion meeting next Sunday at 5 o'clock right here in the Worship Center. And uh, the, the Finance Committee will be here to answer those questions for you. And then we'll vote with no discussion in the AM service on December the 4th. Uh, so be aware of that. Uh, Christmas events brochure is now available in the lobby. And uh, Garrett has done a fantastic job putting that together of all the different things happening over the Christmas holidays. And we want to encourage you to get one of those so you know what's going on, but also to give one away. Uh, it's an opportunity to invite a neighbor, a family member, to, uh, to be a part of what's going on all the way through the holiday season with their special events that are coming up. And I want to encourage you to please go by and, and be a part of our email blast. Every Friday that goes out, and there's pertinent information happening that coming Sunday, but also uh, in weeks to come. If you're not a part of that, you can contact the church office and make sure that you're uh, getting that Friday blast. That'll help you a lot with our announcements. Uh, every Christmas, we take up a Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, all of those funds that we take up go to support our international missionaries. And our goal this year it's the highest goal I think we've ever had since, I know since I've been here at church, uh, is six figures. It's $100,000 this year, and last year I think we took in a little over $105,000 last year for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and we want to just encourage you to be praying about what God would have you to give. Our March for Missions is on December the 11th, and we leave this open through the end of the year. So be praying about what to give back uh, towards mission missions. Uh, our church also participates in an angel tree to help needy families in our area. There are tags in the worship center and core lobbies. There'll be people there to help you. Also, there's an instruction card there to help you know what to do with the tags and how to do that. Uh, I would even encourage some of our uh, community groups to maybe sponsor a family. Uh, those gifts need to be returned on December the 11th. And then there's a ladies event coming up on Thursday, December the 8th. Uh, they'll be having, doing a video series by Anna Connolly called Broken Vessels. Uh, the cost for that event is $10, and that includes dinner. Uh, they're also asking you to bring a new unwrapped toy for uh, children birth through 14 years old for the Baptist Sharing House Toy Drive. And so that happens on Thursday, December the 8th. Those tickets are available. And then we have a church-wide Christmas party on December the 4th at 5 o'clock. Tickets are now available, $5 for adults, $3 for kids which includes a soup and sandwich dinner. We'll be having games, ugly sweater competition, 
and uh, other games happening. So you be a part of that. That'll be a great night on December 4th at 5 o'clock. And then also Grief Share has an event called Survi Surviving the Holidays on Tuesday, December the 6th. There are two sessions for that from 9.30 to 11.30 uh, in the morning and then 6.30 to 8.30 that evening. It is a $5 registration, which includes a workbook uh, for that. Again, uh, thank you for being with us today. Uh, at this time, we have a special announcement from Operation Christmas Child, and Eddie Thompson is coming to make that. Good morning. As you know from last week, uh, you might see uh, Shannon. Come on up, Shannon. Um, she might be a little bit... Uh, weary she's had a long week and i bet some of you in here have been helping with the uh, uh collection center but 22 years ago ruth randall began as collection center director here at pitts for operation christmas child not long after that shannon started assisting and helping and about eight years ago ruth passed the torch to shannon and today we're here celebrating 20 years of being a drop-off center for Operation Christmas Child as a church. I think that is a good one. <laughs> 20 years, and it's, uh, again, they'll tell you it's not just them, it's our church as a whole. Um, in fact, three years ago, uh, we did such a good job, I guess, we are now a central drop-off location, one of two in our three-county region. So, uh, tomorrow, I believe nine churches are bringing all their boxes here, and then they'll be heading down to the processing center. But um, I did want to read this. This is uh, from, I won't read the whole thing. I'll read the last, uh, uh, the last paragraph of a letter we got that goes to our church. In honor of your 20-year service milestone, I'd like to present you with a statue depicting the parable Jesus taught about the Good Samaritan in Luke, 2, Luke 10, 25 through 37. May God richly bless you as you continue to follow Christ's command to go and do likewise in his name. There's a picture. It's right here. We'll have it in the vestibule. I do want to say one last thing. A lot of times we get caught up in the box itself. It is not a goodie box. A lot of people get caught up in that. Please understand, this is a go box. It's a gospel opportunity. And what we've been saying here over the last few years is evangelism, we're giving the gospel out with each box. Every child hears the gospel. Then there's a discipleship program called The Greatest Journeys, 12 lessons in growing them in their walk with Christ. And finally, we say multiplication because those children are then charged to go out and tell their friends and family about Jesus. Listen to this figure. We've had about 3,000 on average boxes come through our center over the last 20 years. And on average, uh, the ministry figures that about eight children or people get touched with the gospel for every box that goes out. Friends, family. Start doing the math. I had to get a calculator. If you take the 3,000 times eight times the 20 years, almost a half a million children or touches for the gospel have come through Pitts Baptist Church. And that's something to be proud of, not for us, to give glory to God for. So thank you. Thank you, Ruth and Shannon. Thank you as a church for doing the ministry of Operation Christmas Child.
Amen. Would you stand as we sing about God's faithfulness? Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As
Amen. Thank you, choir. Take your Bibles and turn with me uh, back to our series in the Gospel of Mark, going through uh, this little Gospel account. Uh, Mark chapter 8 this morning, we're looking at the subject, subject matter, provision, signs, and leaven. Provision, signs, and leaven. And then after the message and the invitation, of course, today we will be going immediately into the observance of the Lord's Supper. Uh, Mark chapter 8, and we'll be reading verses 1 to 21. I want to invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> In those days when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way and some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Father, I pray that our eyes would not be blind, nor our ears deaf to your word. 
and to the ministry of your spirit among us. Open our eyes, open our ears. Lord, may we understand your word and be drawn to you. The Bible says we are to seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Lord, I pray that for someone, they would do that very thing even today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If we were to go back and review a little bit of history in the Bible... I want to remind you of some of the things that we would see pertaining to provision. I think of when God called Moses to go back into Egypt and Moses was very concerned that Pharaoh may not believe him. And he said, Moses, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. And of course, we know the miracle that that Jesus, uh, that God performed with Moses' staff. And likewise, God gave Moses Aaron to be a spokesman for him. And then we fast forward through the Bible a bit and we see in 1 Samuel how God provided those five smooth stones for David. And with those five smooth stones, uh, David slew Goliath. In the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 1, when Paul talks about God being the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our afflictions... Paul spoke there about all of his multitude of afflictions and said that at times he even despaired of life itself. But he went on to say with every trial, with every need he experienced in his life, God's provision was likewise manifold. Aren't you glad that God provides? God provides for the needs of his people. And folks, as we turn to Mark chapter 8, the first story we see here is yet one more occasion of God's provision. Now, obviously, there are some parallels between this passage and the feeding of the 5,000 that we looked at in chapter 6. And that has led some people to maybe speculate that Mark is yet again, for some reason, describing the same event. Is that what's going on? No. You see, there are a number of differences that weigh against the events being the same. One account is of 5,000 men alone besides women and children being fed. This one is 4,000 people. The 5,000 were with Jesus for only one day. The 4,000 here have been with him for three days. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he instructed them to sit down in ordered groups on the green grass. With the 4,000 here, there is no green grass. It's a desert. Jesus offered one prayer of thanks for the food for the 5,000. He offered two here. In the first miracle, Jesus utilized five loaves and two fish. Here, he used seven loaves and a few small fish. 
in cleaning up after the first miracle. They picked up 12 small baskets of leftovers. Here they pick up uh, seven large hamper-like baskets of the remnants. And even more telling, in verse 19 of chapter 8 and the verses immediately following that, Jesus himself referred to the feedings as two separate events. And so if it's two separate events, then the question has to be, why two? I mean, the similarities are so striking. Why would the gospel writers record this event a second time? Well, for all we know, there may have been more than two events of Jesus feeding a multitude. Uh, but just going with two, think about the different audiences. In Mark chapter 6, language was used to suggest that the audience was Jewish. Here, the area that Jesus was in was predominantly a Gentile region, suggesting that most in this crowd were Gentiles. And this story would be very encouraging to Mark's audience because Mark is writing primarily to Gentiles. And so theologically, the lesson may be that we're to see here that Jesus is the bread of life for both Jews and Gentiles. Just like we've been talking about in previous weeks. Gentiles as well as Jews being uh, included in God's plan of redemption. I think of some other lessons like this in the New Testament that we have. I, I think, for instance, about Acts chapter 2. You remember that significant event that happens in Acts chapter 2. It's known as Pentecost. When Jews from all over the world had come back into Jerusalem for the festival of Pentecost and God chose that setting that the Holy Spirit would fall on the disciples and they would speak in languages that the crowd there from all over the world could understand. Again, we refer to that as Pentecost. Well, what you may not realize is that in Acts chapter 10, uh, we have what scholars refer to basically as a second Pentecost, a Gentile Pentecost. Peter has been staying in the home of Simon the Tanner. And while he's in that home, he has a vision of all these animals being let down in this sheet. Some of them clean and unclean. And God says, rise and eat. And, and Peter says, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean. And the Lord says, don't call unclean what I've declared uh, clean. And the next thing you have is somebody knocking at the door asking for Peter. Peter goes with him to uh, this centurion's home, Cornelius, a Gentile. And he has all this crowd gathered there. And Peter preaches the gospel. They believe the Holy Spirit falls on this Gentile audience just like he did back in Acts chapter 2. And Peter goes back to Jerusalem and the Jews jump all over him for going to a Gentile's home. Peter explains how all this happened and how the Spirit of God fell on them likewise. And the, Gent uh, the Jews concluded, well, uh, who would have figured this? Uh, we suppose that God has included uh, the Gentiles in his plan too because his Spirit fell on them just like he fell on us. Same type thing is going on here. 
the Jews experienced Jesus as the bread of life first. And then here, the Gentiles. The feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000 uh, were hinting at this. That Jesus is Lord of all. He's the bread of life for all. And the disciples are going to be reminded that they are, to they are charged to go into all the world and preach about Jesus. Because Gentiles need salvation just as much as Jews uh, need it. Again, Jesus is the bread of life for all men. Folks, why do we as a church send mission teams to Africa? Why do we go to Alaska? Why to, to Paris this coming year? Why to Canada? The good news of the gospel is for all men, for all men and women. That's why we go to states among our own 50 states. We go right outside of the states. We go around the world in obedience to the Great Commission. Jesus is for the world. Amen. I'll never forget the testimony of a North Carolina Baptist pastor on one occasion. He pastors one of the most mission-minded churches in the entire state of North Carolina. And they send out bukus of missionaries. And at this commissioning service afterwards, there were some parents complaining and saying, Why in the world would our kids and grandkids ever want to leave America? And he thought, Are you kidding me? We have the Great Commission. We're to go to the world because Jesus has a heart for the world. He has a heart for the masses, every ethnic group. And you know what? Jesus completely satisfies anyone who comes to him. Again, he's the bread of life. And yet, folks, while he is the bread of life, you and I, as those who have come to him by faith, we've got to daily watch out We've got to be careful, and we've got to guard against anything that might creep into our lives and take our eyes off of Christ. I want you to see, first of all, with me this morning, we're going to move quickly here, his provision in verses 1 uh, to 10. As far as lessons, again, same thing we see in chapter 6. Jesus has compassion on the crowd. He cares about body, soul, and spirit. He's concerned about them because they have not eaten. They've been with him three days now. And, and again, we're, we're to realize that Jesus is the bread of life. He supplies food that we cannot produce. There's no way the disciples could have fed this crowd, but Jesus is going to feed this crowd. Jesus multiplies the loaves and the fish. But most of all, like I said back in chapter 6, the Jews had an understanding that when the Messiah came, he would restore bread from heaven, the manna from heaven. They believed that manna was continuing to be made and stored in heaven. And when the Messiah arrived, he would once again reinstitute giving bread from heaven. And so by Jesus feeding the multitudes, it's a messianic statement about who he is. He's the Messiah. He's arrived. 
He's giving this bread from heaven that the masses have been expecting would happen again once the Messiah came on the scene. And so Jesus is doing the very things here that the one that they're looking for would do. So who must Jesus be? He's the Messiah. He's the one they've been waiting for. Well, secondly, I want you to notice from verses 11 to 13, his perplexity. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him. Verse 11 says, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Just like in John's gospel, after the feeding of the multitude, the people asked for a sign. I mean, folks, these people must really be dense, right? They completely miss the miracle that Jesus has just done. And what does Jesus do? He sighs. He's emotionally disturbed that they demanded signs and missed out on what his miracles were designed to teach. As he pointed out on another occasion, no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. He was referring, of course, to his resurrection after three days. Now, folks, there's a lesson in this for us. The lesson is we had better beware about expecting God to do any more for us than what he tells us about in his word. If we are demanding God to do more, you know what may may happen? We may end up missing out on salvation. I've told you before about my first church out of seminary. Uh, One summer we were canvassing the community and we were inviting children to come that summer to our vacation Bible school. And I went to a little farmhouse down the road from the church and and the the man, I knew children lived there and the father was out in the front yard. I stopped talking to him and he turned and and he pointed his finger at me and, and pointed out he did not believe in God. And he said, listen preacher, I want to tell you something. If I'm going to be saved, God's going to have to come down here and do something specifically just for me. And unless he does something like that, I'm not going to believe. And I'm not sending my kids to vacation Bible school. Well, in response to that, people looking for signs. I would remind you of that story Jesus told in Luke 16. About when the rich man went to to hell and Lazarus to heaven. And there was a great gulf fixed between the two. And the rich man was in torment. And in his conversation with Abraham, he ended up saying when when he found out there was no hope for him. That he was in hell for all of eternity. He was in torment and there was no way to get out. He finally said, then Father Abraham, please send somebody to my house. To my father and brothers that they won't end up coming to this place where I am now. And you remember what was told to him? They have Moses and the prophets. They have everything in the word that they need in order to believe. No other sign is going to be given. Folks, that says something to you and me today about how we are to seek God. 
Some people always are wanting God to give them some kind of new word. And I want to say to you this morning, if you want to know God, if you want to hear from God, simply study your Bible because that's the way God speaks to us. If we will just study the word and obey it, we will have enough to keep our hands full for a lifetime. Beware of looking for signs, special signs or dreams or revelations. That can become an opportunity for Satan to come to you as an angel of light and deceive you. Just study the Bible. The third thing I want you to see though, and we're going to focus more on this morning, his preaching in verses 14 to 20. Here they are, I want you to notice, they're back in the boat. And Jesus is somewhat disgusted over the conversation he's just had with the Pharisees. And he goes on here to warn his disciples about what? He warns his disciples about the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. His disciples think that he's rebuking them in some way because they've not brought more bread with them. I mean, it seems like these guys are pretty dense too. They're not much better off than the crowd. And so Jesus takes them on a little detour before he comes back to his main message to them. And the detour has to do with their concern over just having one loaf. He says, guys, if I can feed the multitude with just a few fish and a few cakes of bread, you don't need to worry about just having one loaf. But then he returns to his main point, and his main point is what? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Folks, let me say to you this morning, in the Bible, leaven is almost always used in a negative sense. Leaven was a symbol that was a picture of sin and unbelief. And that's why there were certain sacrifices that they couldn't let leaven be present in. And during the Passover, they had to eat only unleavened bread. Because remember, at the Passover, God was about to deliver them. The death angel was passing over, taking the life of the firstborn sons, except for the Israelites with the blood over the doorpost. And they were to prepare everything and eat it in haste. They didn't have time for leaven to permeate through the bread. And so they had to eat unleavened bread. And so for all their future generations, when they would come to Passover, they would eat unleavened bread. But leaven was also a sign of what their purity was to be. They were to remember that all it takes for leaven to do its work is just put a little bit in. You bakers in the church know this. You put a little bit of leaven in something and let let the dough sit and what's going to happen? That leaven is going to permeate through the whole entire loaf. All it takes is a little bit. That's why you go to the grocery store and buy little packets of yeast and the packets are, are so small you don't need much. It goes to work. And when it goes to work, 
It works silently. It works quietly and unseen. You don't see it spreading, but there it is. It's silently and visibly working until it has worked through the whole lump of dough. Well, folks, you know what that's a picture of? It's a picture of sin. And Jesus is telling his disciples, guys, you don't need to be concerned about just having one loaf in the, in the boat with us. What you need to be concerned with is the leaven of the Pharisees. You need to be concerned about their sin of unbelief. Folks, it is dangerous for Christians to ignore certain sins in their lives. A Christian might think, well, it's just this one little sin I have over here. It isn't that bad. But folks, it is. Because it can have a way of ending up corrupting the whole person. It can eat away at you and drag you down further and further and further and ruin your testimony. I could be talking to somebody here this morning. There's something in your life, maybe even now, you're dabbling in a little bit. Maybe it's just a little bit of pornography. Or maybe it's just a little bit of experimenting with drugs. Or I might be speaking to somebody here and saying, you know what? I'm just having one little affair. That's all. It's small. Hey, whatever this sin is in my life, hey, I've got it under control. It's small. It's little. I, I, can, I can handle this. No, you can't. It's like leaven. And one of these days, if you don't wake up, it's going to either have destroyed your life or destroyed your testimony. You know, this past Wednesday night, looking at some of the kings, looking at Manasseh in 2 Kings 21, we were talking about some of the bad kings and what God said about them. And, and I turned to Galatians, where Galatians says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. It's a warning, folks. God is not mocked. You sow to the flesh, and it's going to end up reaping corruption and destruction in your life. You will, you will reap exactly what you sow. You gardeners in here know that. You don't sow cucumber seeds and get tomatoes. You don't sow cantaloupe seeds and get watermelon. You reap exactly what you sow. And you reap more than you sow. You put a little kernel of corn in the ground and up grows this stalk. And it has an ear of corn, maybe even two ears of corn on that stalk. You reap more than you sow. You reap later than you sow. Some people, there's a little bit of leaven of sin in your life and you think, you know what, I'm getting away with it. Nobody knows about it. It's in this private little corner of my heart. And nobody knows. Well, folks, I would just simply say it's not harvest days yet. Harvest days are coming. We don't get away with anything. 
This works in a Christian's life. And so again, I would say to you exactly what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Is there some little hidden sin in your life that you are dabbling in? And it's your little pet sin. And you plan on keeping that for yourself. I'm here to tell you now. It's going to do more damage in your spiritual life than you could ever even comprehend as you sit in here right now thinking about it and you know what it works on a corporate level too remember what Paul said to the church at Corinth they were allowing some young man in their church everybody knew he's having sexual relationships with his stepmother how gross is that and Paul said to the church, you're proud. You've not dealt with this. Maybe they're using their freedoms in Christ to celebrate how free they really are because they're allowing this. It wasn't a good thing at all. Folks, we may be free in Christ, but we are not free to sin. And by looking the other way, Paul was pointing out to that church that it was going to have a negative effect on that whole entire church and the witness of that church you don't sin without consequence they had become numb to this sin this young man was doing and pretty soon they were going to be tolerating other things as well and they weren't grieved over what was was going on and so Paul called on them to discipline the brother and put him out of the church fellowship it's called church discipline it's a biblical principle Paul warned the Corinthians that when it came to sexual sin, it would leaven the whole bunch. You know, I think today how it seems like sexual sins have almost numbed everybody to how casually we look at sin. But any sin can leaven not only an individual, but a whole group. Again, the leaven of the Pharisees would have been legalism and unbelief. Jesus is referring here probably to, to the unbelief. And Jesus is warning his disciples not to get, up, get caught up in the same kind of unbelief that the Pharisees were guilty of. Don't get caught up in that unbelief. Church, beware when you and I don't believe the witness of the word. We can be guilty of the leaven of unbelief as well. Don't kid yourself. Some Christians can start reading certain passages in the Bible and say, you know what, I don't know if I really believe that or not. I, I just don't know that I, I really agree with that. You're on dangerous ground. Your child goes away to college and some liberal professor convinces them that creation didn't happen the way the Bible says. There's no such thing as Adam and Eve. Certain miracles didn't really happen that way. And pretty soon if the professor's doubts are entertained, the student comes back to his or her home church and they don't believe anything anymore. They tell their parents they've lost the faith. It's a slippery slope, the leaven of the Pharisees. And Jesus is looking at his disciples and he's saying, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of unbelief. 
not only the leaven of the Pharisees, but also, he said to them, beware of the leaven of Herod. Herod's would have been unbelief, but worldliness as well. Remember, Herod was more concerned about what everybody thought of him. And that's why he had John the Baptist beheaded. Herod lived his life for the approval of men. He wanted everything that this world could give to him. And he wanted the approval and the applause of, of men. That's why he was even willing to have John the Baptist beheaded. Some Christians try to do that today. They go to school, they go to work, they're obsessed with everybody liking them and approving of everything that they do and affirming them on, on things like social media. And they will even likewise turn away from the faith rather than hold on to Christian convictions that might end up costing them friends and approval. They need to be aware of the leaven of Herod. Folks... These issues were big enough that Jesus said to his disciples, Guys, you need to stop and you need to think about this. You need to take notice of this. I'm giving you a caution of how dangerous these things can be. Worldliness and unbelief and man's approval are deadly Traps. What's driving your life this morning? What's driving your life? What's in your heart? And what's driving your life? Listen, you go trying to satisfy everybody and everything in the world, and that is a never ending trap. It's like Jesus is telling his disciples here, you've got to drive a stake down into the ground and you've got to decide here right now, who and what are you going to believe? Are you going to live for, for Christ? And are you going to deal with sin in your life that will threaten your relationship with him? You've got to decide, am I going to believe God's word? And am I going to pursue godliness? And if, am, am, I, am I going to deal a death blow to sin in my life? Or am I just going, going to sort of coast along in my Christian life? And whatever will be, will be. It's a dangerous trap. Watch out. You know, it's like Jesus is saying something here to his disciples that would be like a bridge out sign on the road you're driving down a road and you turn down another road and there's a big sign that says stop turn around bridge out if you keep driving you might be driving to your death and Jesus is telling you and I just as much as he was telling his disciples you better beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod what's in your heart what are you giving your life to? What are you entertaining in your mind? What are you giving your thoughts to? Who are you listening to? Who's shaping your life? Are you allowing the world and other people to shape your life? Or are you allowing the word of God and the good news of the gospel to shape your life? Because whatever you're allowing to shape your life 
one of these days you're going to start bearing the fruit of that that you're giving your life to. You can't help it. It's just the way life works. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. Am I speaking to somebody this morning that 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 word from Jesus is just as powerful to you right now as it must have been to his disciples? What are you going to do about it? Let me give you some takeaways this morning that cover all 21 of these verses. First of all, trust Jesus to provide for all of your needs. Folks, he is more than able. Jesus is more than able to take care of your life and what you crave the most. He can give you a joy and a satisfaction and a provision deep down inside that nothing in this world can match. Trust Him. Trust Him. Secondly, understand that the good news is for all people. It's why we do what we do. We're to go into all of the world. I'm glad that salvation is not just for one ethnic group or even one socioeconomic class of people. The good news of Jesus Christ is able to transform you this morning. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your family is like. It doesn't matter where you've been, where you've come from. You know what? The good news of the gospel is for you. Believe. Believe. Thirdly, beware of expecting God to add little extra signs on the side for you in addition to the witness of Scripture. Simply walk in obedience to the Word. And then lastly, guard your life from the influence of unchecked sin. It can seem so little, so quiet, so subtle, but it can end up having dangerous consequences to your spiritual life. Lord, we thank you for Mark's gospel and the different stories that Mark records for for future generations that we might understand how you dealt with your disciples And how you dealt with men in general. Because you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, these things are written for our benefit. I do indeed pray that we would trust you with our provision. And Lord, that we would ground our lives upon your word and what you're doing in our lives. That we wouldn't look for other special things on the side to satisfy us. And God, I pray that every one of us in here would look intensely with eyes of introspection whatever is going on in our lives. Is it a little bit of unbelief? Is it a little bit of sin? Do we think we're okay hanging on to those things? Lord, may may we beware because if we hang on to those things, it can end up having consequences beyond anything that we would dream of this morning.
As somebody wisely said one time, sin will take you further than you wanted to go. It will keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And it will cost you more than you wanted to pay. God, help us to deal with even those little things in our lives that would hinder our vision of you. In Jesus' name we pray.